Hello, Gary Zacharias here with the Apologist Bookshelf. I want to take a second look at a terrific book called The Story of Reality. That's Greg Kokel's book. I like everything Greg Kokel puts out. I like his website, str.org. Uh, a lot of good speakers that are part of his organization. You know, in the past, he's had some amazing people that have gone out from his organization and established their own organization or making a difference for Christianity, people like Brett Kunkel and Jay Warner Wallace and uh, Scott Klusendorf with the pro-life movement. So I like everything he touches, and he's got this book called The Story of Reality. Excellent book, sort of a C.S. Lewis mere Christianity for people who uh, feel like it's a little bit of a struggle to get through Lewis's book. This is not. This is very well written, easy to, to understand, but deep at the same time. So I want to take a look at chapter 16 in this book, and he's what he's doing in this book is going through five simple words that tell the story of the Bible. That's God, man, Jesus, cross, and resurrection. So he says these five words capture the meaning of our humanity and all human history from beginning to end. So, of course, he asks the question there, do you know and understand the biblical story if you're a Christian? And if you're seeking answers to the questions of life, then he says this book is an invitation to hear the story that explains the world in a way that nothing else will. And I agree with that. So chapter 16 introduces the third of those five uh, words. We've got God, we've got man. And I wanted to cover what he says about Jesus as a person of history. He says, our concern is this claim. He said, before we get into what Jesus was up to and what he was all about, he said, we get this claim from some people who claim that he was never a man of history at all, or at least not like he's depicted in the story of reality. And of course, as Kokel points out, that'd be a fatal blow to Christianity. If you have an imaginary savior, that can't save real people. So he says, we've got to meet that challenge, take it seriously. But he said, I don't really take the claim seriously because the facts don't go in that direction at all. And he says, one popular view these days about the fictionality of Jesus is the recycled redeemer theory that he calls it. So here's the claim, that what we have of Jesus's life is kind of a folklore plagiarism. It was a rehash taken from fictions of ancient mythology that bits and pieces from the lives of some of these early mystery religious figures like Mithras, Dionysus, Osiris, Attis, Horus, Adonis, that they've been recycled and kind of put together. And the dying and rising God-man is Jesus. That's just He's just another one of many. And in fact, he's actually a, a composite of some of these earlier ones. So he says, I, I believe this is complete nonsense. And he says, not just because he doesn't want it to be true. He said, the claim is false on a number of accounts, number of counts here. So let's take a look at that. And uh, so here's where he starts. He says, first, let me tell you how credentialed historians answer questions like this. And then he says, let's take a look at what their research has shown. So he said, trained historians go back to the earliest records of these ancient accounts. They call them the primary sources to try to figure out what did the original myth say? In other words, what was originally put together about Mithras and Dionysus and all these others. So he says, here's what they've discovered. So first, the myths that predate Jesus, and there are some that predate Jesus' life, don't bear any resemblance to the details of Jesus' life. 
they, they come up with these so-called similarities that turn out to be non-existent. Or he says, whatever parallels remain are far too general. And he quotes a historian, a scholar who's probably done uh, what Kokel says is the most recent exhaustive study of this question. Mettinger is his last name. He said, there's no evidence that the death and resurrection of Jesus is a mythological construct drawing on the myths and rites of the dying and rising gods of the surrounding world. So we can put that one to rest. These early, early myths don't have anything to do with Jesus's life. Then secondly, Kokel says, you know, these mythical accounts of these gods that do actually bear some resemblance to Jesus's life actually show up after his time. Oops. So the people that buy into this recycled Redeemer view are in trouble because it looks like any story that sounds a little bit like Jesus, showed up after his time. They were copied from the Gospels, not the other way around. So there's a problem. And he says, finally, there's a logical problem with this recycled Redeemer view. So he said, let me tell you a story. He said, quite a story. And uh, I'd never heard this before. I found it fascinating. He said, in 1898, there's a man named Morgan Robertson. So he put out a novel called Futility. Well, what was going on in this novel? It was a transatlantic voyage of a brand new big cruise ship. In fact, it was the largest vessel afloat. It was considered indestructive, indestructible, but even so, in the middle of the night, in April, three massive propellers shoving that ship forward, it collided with an iceberg and it sank, and they didn't have enough lifeboats, and so more than half the passengers died. Now, here's the real kicker. Robertson, in his novel, remember this, 1898, not 1912. In 1898, the book called Futility, he named his ship the Titan. Not Titanic, but Titan. So 14 years later, after he published this, the Titanic departed from England, and that was the world's largest luxury liner that was going from New York, uh, going to New York from England. And in the middle of the night, it did have triple screws, smashed into the iceberg, sank to the bottom of the ocean, didn't have enough lifeboats, more than half the passengers were lost. So he said, I don't want you to miss this coincidence. He said, just because they were similar, these two accounts, the second one can't be dismissed as fabrication just because the first one was fiction. Does that make sense? Whether or not the details of the Titanic's disaster are accurate can only be determined by its evidence. So I thought that was a really interesting point. Okay, let's just pick up something else that he has to say. He says, you know, you first have to show that the historical record of Jesus' life is a fiction before you start explaining where the fiction came from. So remember, what a lot of people are saying is, well, Jesus didn't really live. It came from these earlier myths. Well, before you start saying where the fiction came from, you have to, to establish that it really is a fiction. That's a logical blunder. So he says, first things come first. Don't assume Jesus' myth and then speculate on how that happened. You have to you have to prove that it's a myth. He said, if you were a first century fabricator, you're trying to come up with some mythology, are you really going to convince monotheistic Torah observant Jews that their Messiah had arrived and you draw accounts from pagans of dying and rising gods to make your point? Well, the Jews expected a king who would conquer, not a Messiah who would be murdered and then rise from the dead. That's just so unlikely. He says, now it's time to hear from real historians. And he points out that scholars, both liberal and conservative, overwhelmingly agree that Jesus of Nazareth was a man of history. And the Gospels, 
on the main, tell a story accurately. Now, do they buy into everything? No. He gives an example there, Will Durant, Pulitzer Prize winning historian. He wrote an 11-volume, The Story of Civilization. And here's how he concludes his material on Christ. And by the way, I don't think he was a believer. But he believed that he lived because here's what Durant said. No one reading these scenes can doubt the reality of the figure behind them. After two centuries of higher criticism, the outlines of the life, character, and teachings of Christ remain reasonably clear and constitute the most fascinating feature in the history of Western man. So that recycled Redeemer crowd says, why would we treat all of these stories of Mithras and Horus and all, why would we treat them as fables, yet we treat the story of Jesus as real? The answer is pretty simple. There's no historical evidence for these ancient mythological characters and their deeds, but there's an abundance of good, reliable, historical evidence for Jesus. So it doesn't matter how many ancient myths there are and how many of them share similarities. He said, we've got all sorts of people mentioning Jesus. We've got Pliny and Tacitus and Lucian and Josephus, and even the Jewish Talmud refers to him. Why did they mention him? Because he was a man of history who had a huge impact on history. And it says even the, the, in their own testimony, the gospel writers said they were not telling tales, but they were reporting their personal encounters with Jesus. They said things like this, what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we've looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life, that's Jesus, what we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also. So they're, they're saying this is sober truth that they're uh, explaining. So people that think Jesus never existed just are not acquainted with the ample research that's been done. He says the idea that Jesus didn't exist is drivel, and real historians know it. The, the other part that I wanted to talk about is, again, he's introducing the concept of Jesus. So that's chapter 16, that Jesus was a real person. And then chapter 17 is titled The God-Man. So he says, you need to know who was Jesus and what did he come to do? So key questions, right? People have all these different ideas these days of who he was and what he was here to do. So the first question that Kokel takes on, who is Jesus? He said a true human being. He grew, he said, like all of us, with joy and sadness and compassion and anger and rest and weariness. So he was like us. He is one of us, as Kokel says. So he's a man. That's the first thing we have to say about Jesus. Who was he? He was a man. But something more. He says from the beginning, Jesus is uttering things that nobody's allowed to say, at least not a Jew that's talking to other Jews. Think about how unique this is. What did Jesus say? He said he existed before he was born. He says that any sin that he pardons is forgiven, as if he's the one that any sin had wronged. He said honor that's due to the Father is due to him. He said, final judgment in the final day falls to him. He says, he is drink for the thirsty and bread for the hungry. They'll never thirst or hunger again. He says, anybody that trusts in him will never die. Now, can you imagine if you're an ancient Hebrew listening to this? I mean, we hear things like that. And we nod our heads. Oh, that's nice. You know, uh, kind of a claim of divinity. But in Jesus's time, things were different. God was God. Man was man. God was eternal, man was temporal, God was infinite, man was finite. But how God in man, God in flesh, that was just unthinkable to the Jews, and it was unpardonable. That was blasphemy that deserved death. But as Kokel points out, if 
any of us said things like that, people would put us away, wouldn't they? That sounds irrational, sounds insane, but it says Jesus doesn't just talk it, he acted. He said he was the bread of life, then he multiplied bread. He said he was the resurrection and the life, and then he raised a man who was dead, brought him back to life. He said he was light, and he gave light to the sight of a man born blind. So he doesn't draw attention to his lessons, does he? He draws attention to himself. He's, he makes claims about himself, not his, his ideas. He said, follow me and live forever. Believe in me and rise on the last day. Trust in me and never die. So as Coco points out, Jesus is tender and meek, but his claims are hard and brash and daring and divisive. I mean, think about this. Jesus said, unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. He who, has see, he who sees me sees the one who sent me. He who believes in the Son is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already. Wow, who is this Jesus, this person who boasts like this? Jesus wasn't crucified for what he did. He was crucified for who he said he was. And so he says, now we can begin to see what that question really means when we say, who is Jesus? I mean, if he's not who he claimed to be, you can ignore him. He's a madman or he's an imbecile. Uh, but if his claim is true, that changes everything. He's either God or a bad man. There's no middle ground here. So this is what he's going to cover in the book here, and uh, as far as Jesus goes. And I find it just fascinating, a new way of looking at the gospel, a new way of looking at Jesus, at God, and what the whole story of the Bible is about. So it's called The Story of Reality by Greg Kokel. I highly recommend it. It's a book you can give to friends, anybody that's kind of interested in spiritual things. They don't need to be Christians. It's good for Christians, but it's wonderful for non-Christians as well. Because today, people are pretty biblically illiterate, and they don't understand what Jesus was all about. They don't know why he was here. They don't, they don't know how God relates to the world. And you get all of that between the pages of the story of reality. So I recommend it. I hope you can pick up a copy. All right, let's uh, meet again.